Hey everybody, if you are a writer or an aspiring writer, or if you just love literature, I have a book for you. It's called Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, a DIY manual for the construction of stories. It is the long-awaited craft book by Steve Almond, based on three decades of his writing career, a career that has featured at turns depression, failure, anxiety, self-loathing, despair, self-doubt, loss of faith, delusions of grandeur, and the occasional triumph. It's a book about the writing life. Steve Almond has done it. He has embraced it, the full catastrophe, and he has lived to tell about it. The Boston Globe says, quote, this isn't just a book about writing. It's a book about honesty. And Richard Russo calls it, quote, one of the best books on writing I've ever read. It's also the funniest by a country mile. Once again, it's called Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, a DIY manual for the construction of stories by Steve Almond, available from Zando. Go get your copy right now, wherever you buy books. Hey guys, this episode of Other People is brought to you by Stitcher Smart Radio. You can hear other people while on the go with Stitcher Smart Radio, a free news and talk mobile app available for your smartphone. And when you download Stitcher to hear other people, you have a chance to win some money. Downloading is quick and easy. Just find Stitcher in the App Store, download it, it's free, and it takes just a few seconds. Then, during registration, hit the promo code box. It should say, tell us how you heard about Stitcher. Where it says that, you enter other people, and when you do that, you're automatically entered to win 100 bucks. It's that simple. The latest episode of the show will then be waiting for you in your favorites, and you'll get access to lots of other amazing content too, always available on demand with no syncing. That's the Stitcher app. Go download it at stitcher.com free of charge or get it in the App Store. It's available for your iPhone, your Android, or your tablet computer. And don't forget to enter the promo code other people when you register. This is an app. You can apply it. Go and get it. Oh my God. You are not alone. You have found other people. You and I have a friend in common. Every stupid thing that a writer could do, I've done. I think it's really beautiful. Jesus, dude, what a struggle, you know? It was incredible. You know, it was like your head exploded seeing what was really there. And now here's your host, Brad Listy. Just one person at just one time. Okay, everybody, here we go again. This is it. This is other people. This is a literary multimedia undertaking. This is two people speaking in plain English. Thanks for being here. Thanks for tuning in. Thank you for focusing your attention in this direction. My name is Brad Listy. I'm your host. I am the moderator, and I am sitting in a condominium, or uh, perhaps it's an apartment, or I'm in a unit. I'm in a unit. Welcome to my unit. Do you like my unit? Let me show you to my unit. <laughs> sort of depressing, actually, to refer to uh, your living quarters as your unit. That's my general feeling, and uh, I guess I wanted to express that here today. I live in a unit. Uh, otherwise, uh, what's been happening? You know, if you want, you want to know the truth, here's what's been happening. Here's what I've been thinking about lately. I've been thinking a lot about uh, form and about... Uh, my destiny or my, my purpose or my talent. I've been questioning and I've been asking myself, what is my thing? And I don't know. I don't, I'm not sure if I know what my thing is. 
I mean, I know that I'm, I'm creative. I know I like to write. I wrote a book. I published it. I made another book of a literary collage. I published that. I run the nervous breakdown. I do the publishing imprint, the book club, the podcast series, blah, blah, blah. So I know that I like this stuff. I know that I like being creative and I like being around creative people and I like books and so on and so forth. But at the same time, I just don't have the feeling that I've ever really locked into exactly what it is that I'm supposed to be doing. And, you know, like sometimes I think to myself, uh, maybe it's this podcast, like maybe this is it and I'm just not aware of it or I haven't fully realized it yet. Uh, maybe this show is in essence, uh, my, my big project. Maybe it's like one big book. Maybe this is the form I'm supposed to be working in. Maybe this is a big book, even though it's a non-book. You know, because it is in some way, at least, a literary project. It's an autobiographical, uh, memoir kind of project of sorts. Uh, but I feel like still, you know, there's something. There's some uh, form or some hybridized form or some way of working that is out there uh, and is possibly imminent. But I haven't figured it out yet. I haven't fully realized it yet. I haven't landed there yet. And I haven't found my thing quite yet. Like my thing has not fully realized itself. And I live in a unit. <laughs> and I'm not sure. And to be honest, you know, I, you know, I'm not sure if I'll ever find my thing, uh, especially while living in a unit. Maybe I need to leave my unit in order to find my thing. Maybe. Hey, everybody, if you are a writer or an aspiring writer, or if you just love literature, I have a book for you. It's called Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, a DIY manual for the construction of stories. It is the long-awaited craft book by Steve Almond, based on three decades of his writing career, a career that has featured at turns depression, failure, anxiety, self-loathing, despair, self-doubt, loss of faith, delusions of grandeur, and the occasional triumph. It's a book about the writing life. Steve Almond has done it. He has embraced it, the full catastrophe, and he has lived to tell about it. The Boston Globe says, quote, this isn't just a book about writing. It's a book about honesty. And Richard Russo calls it, quote, one of the best books on writing I've ever read. It's also the funniest by a country mile. Once again, it's called Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, a DIY manual for the construction of stories by Steve Almond, available from Zando. Go get your copy right now, wherever you buy books. My guest today is XTX, uh, the mysterious, the provocative, the delightful, and intoxicating XTX. She is the author of the story collection, uh, Normally Special, and she has a new book out called Billy the Bull. It is a chapbook, I believe, by definition, a pocket-sized uh, edition of linguistically jagged and beautifully rendered stories, now available from Nephew, which is an imprint of Mud Luscious Press. I am uh, really, really pleased to have XTX here on this program, uh, and I believe that this is the first time she has ever allowed herself to be interviewed in audio format. I could be wrong, but I believe that's the case. And I know for a fact that she's never been interviewed on video uh, for public consumption. So uh, this is news. Uh, this is breaking news. This is a signature moment in uh, literary history. 
So without any further ado, why don't we get to it? This is my conversation with the lovely and talented XTX, and her new book, once again, is called Billy the Bull. I am in Southern California, and right now I'm sitting in my office with the lights off and the door locked. Um, so wait, is it, complete, looking, is it completely dark? No. my I have the only office that has one wall floor-to-ceiling windows, so it looks out onto the outside. And what's your view? <laughs> it is floor-to-ceiling um, metal bars. <laughs> um, it's not the best uh, area where I work. What do you mean floor-to-ceiling metal bars? You're looking out a window that's floor-to-ceiling glass, and then there's metal bars just outside your Yeah, window. like like about two feet from the glass, there is a wall of metal bars. And then past that, there's a parking lot that looks onto um, a lot of trucks and, uh, you know, towing containers. And I hear a lot of uh, reverse beeping all day long. From Jesus. these trucks. Okay. So what do you do? Can I ask what you do? I feel like I, there might be like uh, limitations on what I can know about you. Yeah. I'm tr- I've been practicing um, the limitations all week leading up to this call. So uh, hopefully I can uh, speak enough without um, giving too much away. But um, yeah, I uh, actually, the other wall in my office is comprised entirely of um, stuffed animals. Weird. Yeah, so I work, um, and I've always worked um, in the toy industry. So, um, yeah, I work at a toy company. Okay, can I ask what you do for this toy company? Um, Like project management, uh, which would entail um, working with clients to take their concepts to um, through production to product for them. So you met, you're a toy maker. You bring joy to children. I do, I do. I'm a good person. I was going to say that's that's sort of surprising. <laughs> that sort of surprises me a little bit. I mean, not that you're a good person, yeah. but that you make that you work <laughs> in toy, the manufacturer of toys. Yeah, yeah, and I always have. It's it's. I've done probably most every aspect in this field that you could do. Okay, so have you like what's up, what are some toys out there? Because I have a young child. Like, what are some toys out there that bear your invisible imprint i would imagine there's not like an xtx on like teddy bears yeah um well it's um right now i make primarily well i don't make them but help to make um plush toys um that are out there and a lot of it is in the like the baby field uh, baby departments um but in the past um i was heavy into like uh, kids meal fast food toy production um, with a lot more like licensed uh, properties like uh, hmm, Star Wars and uh, what else did I work on? Pokemon and things like that. Do you have a favorite toy? Do I have a favorite toy? Like, do you ever look at like, um, do you ever look at like a toy and be like, "That's a damn good toy right there"? Like that. Oh yeah, especially when I worked in the the kids meal field because we'd come up with like some really great um, concepts because you can't spend a lot on those types of toys. So to get a toy that does a lot of cool shit for you know whatever fifty cents uh, at the factory level is uh, it's 
pretty you feel really proud of yourself <laughs> squeeze the most toy for the like, you're basically squeezing the most possible toy out of the least amount of money is that oh yeah exactly <laughs> all right so okay so that aside we know now that you you work for a toy company uh, yes but i want to start by asking about your nervousness over talking to me because i know we've been trading emails I know that there was some trepidation. You were uh, alluding to the fact that you were you were experiencing some uh, insomnia and sleeplessness. <laughs> uh, is that is that true? Like, how much of that is hyperbole or exaggeration, and how much of that is actually true? And if it is true, why? Oh well, geez, um, Brad. Um, you know, I I'm, I was just thinking like I've been. You asked me to do this initially. I think the first podcast I ever listened to was Blake Butler's, which I looked back and it was episode seven. And I think I might have contacted you on Facebook back then just, you know, to say, oh, that was awesome, whatever. And you were like, yeah, and you should do it, blah, blah, blah. And that was at episode seven. And what are you on now? Like a hundred and like it's a hundred and thirty episodes later. They've piled up quickly. So yeah. So I've been putting you off for what, like over a year. <laughs> right. So I would say that the fear is definitely real. Um, I've been hiding on the internet for so long. I don't know how to unhide. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, let's talk about that because this is interesting to me. And, you know, I, I've been, I mean, I have a lot of different thoughts about this because um, there's not, it's, it's not just you. There's a lot of people hiding on the internet or, or however you want to put it. But, you know, you have built a, uh, or an identity uh, in the literary community and particularly in like the internet literature community or whatever you want to, you know, call it. Um, and there are others like you, but it's, it's largely, or at least the, you know, I guess the initial identity itself is, um, you know, rooted in anonymity. There's also like, I find that like your particular brand or whatever you want to call it. And I hate that word, but what, <laughs> I know you do. <laughs> yeah. But what are, what are you going to call it? You know, but like, there's like, a, right, right. there's like a strong sexual component to your work and to like the way that you present yourself. Uh, online and like some of it's, you know, I think some of it's obviously jokey and fun. Um, <laughs> you know, how do you conceive of all that? Like, you know, and, and how did it start and where did the name XTX come from? Uh, yeah. Yeah. There's, a, there's a lot. Um, well, the, gosh, where do I start? I, it all started pretty much with blogging. Um, I discovered blogging, um, Gosh, I guess I started my blog um, a little bit before 2004, and this is like pre-social media, really. Like, you know, no Facebook. Like maybe MySpace was starting yeah, back no. then. MySpace was just starting. That was pre-Twitter. That was pre-Facebook in terms of its like widespread use, at least. And then that was all, <laughs> that was also pre-iPhone, just to sort of date it properly. Yeah. So um, I, I really liked having just being able to say whatever I wanted on my blog and not, you know, get, I worked in a really corporate environment. I didn't want, you know, I didn't know how companies could, you know, find out, you know, if they were, you know, scouting the internet to look for their employees' names. And I didn't want to blog about you know, masturbating in porn and have them come across my name and, um, you know, call me into HR or whatever. <laughs> so uncomfortable. Um, so I initially started blogging under my first name only. And that was back in the days when everyone had a personal blog and you'd go to their blogs and you'd link them on your sidebar and you'd comment on their blog and, you know, like, I guess how it is now, but more with Facebook and whatever. 
so um, there was a few um, blogs I'd comment on where someone else had the same first name as me. And it was it annoyed the hell out of me. So I just started adding X's on the front and back end of my name, and then that eventually just abbreviated, and I left the first letter of my name. And that's the stupidest uh, explanation for how I go by XTX now, but there it is. Well, but you know, these things often happen accidentally, and it, and it's become. I think it's a you know it's a very it's obviously very catchy it's memorable and then it also spells out phonetically in a nice way you know <laughs> yeah because Facebook wouldn't let me use XTX the letters as a name so I had to come up with an alternative and I just went phonetic so well and it's certainly unique right I mean no one else is out there with us I, I can't think of a similar author name so at least you have that right yeah and it's it's really I'm just really sick of it and it's just really stupid to me at this point but I don't know how to un do that <laughs> you know i just it's it's weird okay so do you have any qual- i mean it sounds like you have at least some qualms about the anonymity thing like i think people have different reasons for being anonymous uh and i think that it you know it obviously per- it, it probably permits you to say things or to act in certain ways online that maybe somebody who's operating under their own name might not feel free to do and right. so I sort of envy that. You know, I think that that I think anonymity is sort of cool in that way. And then I was recently uh, pondering this because it's a, you know it's something I ponder a lot, <laughs> as you know. <laughs> you do a lot of pondering, Brad. I, I do, yeah. Especially about this whole like internet an- anonymity thing and how people manage their identities online. I think it's a big thing in today's it life. It is. Uh, but one of the things that I like about it <clears throat> is the fact that. Maybe, and you can maybe speak, you know you can speak to this as well. But when you when you're operating anonymously, it limits how much uh, self-aggrandizement is involved in your presentation. Like I, I don't know, there there seems to be like some some level of like egolessness to being anonymous. Though I guess it could also be argued that like it's also like a you know look at me kind of attention getting stunt. Do you know what I'm saying? Like. I don't know. It, it, it goes both ways in my brain. Like, how do you think of it? Or do you- I, I don't know. I, I can only speak for me. I mean, I I did it just because that's just how it evolved. And then somehow I got I had my blog was popular, and whatever I wrote on it became popular. And then when I discovered lit mags, I was like, someone's like, you should you write stuff. You should send something. And so just to lead my blog audience to my writing. You know, I kept that XTX name um, just so they would know who, you know, look, at. I did this to my blog audience. But in my personal life, I wasn't going to show someone a story I wrote about a, a human sex toy. You know, it's like <laughs> so for me, it, was, it wasn't like to create a brand. It was um, accidental. And then once my writing got popular, I didn't know how to undo that like it was already there and what am I going to go by Linda Jones now and they're going to go who's this Linda Jones you know right. <laughs> I don't know it, it it was just it just happened in an ass backwards way and you know maybe there's people out there like I'm going to pick a clever name and that's what I'm going to write under and and create something but and that's fine for them and I you know writing under a pseudonym is definitely liberating like on I have like a regular Facebook page for like my real life people that I know and I could not post half the shit on that wall that I can on XTX's wall it's 
that I would, oh my gosh, blush. <laughs> right, right, right. No, that seems fun to me. You know, it seems fun to maybe take on a guys and like, it, it's, it's got to be like its own little form of entertainment almost to, I mean, do, do you find yourself acting in ways that uh, are almost like role playing and fall outside the realm of your core identity? Do you know what I'm saying? Like, I think, yeah, because I think, because we had this discussion at AWP, you know, my little group of friends there, like, I'm like, how far off am I from XTX, would you say, like, in real life? And they're like, oh, no, you're you're pretty much the same. I mean, similar, you know, there wasn't, like, a huge gap. So I think what it is is maybe the more extreme part of someone's personality can be expressed more than they would in real life, you know, you kind of keep the happy medium, but maybe online I'm more leaning to, you know, one way than, you know, I would hold back normally. I don't know. Yeah. No, I mean, I, you know, I, I think it's probably you, but just like amped up a little or, or it's you unencumbered, you know, because like, yeah. I, I find this too. Like uh, I just quit Facebook as I think, you know, but yeah, um, proud of you. Yeah. I can try. I mean, I, I really haven't. <laughs> How's it feel? It feels good. It feels fantastic. Good. I haven't had any urge to go back yet, so we'll see, but um, you know, I think that, you know, I, I get to the point, I find that whenever I really sort of express myself, especially if it's like dark humor or it's a rant of some kind, and especially if there's any political context, um, you know, that can get dicey and yeah. even with, you know, friends and family members, and then you're just like, Oh God, this is sticky. It would be sort of nice to have kind of an alter ego that you could pour all that stuff into without any real concern about it. Um, affecting that stuff oh yeah so and with yeah and with me it's just it's nothing political or anything like that it's more like uh you know sexual and and raunch maybe raunchy or dark so uh, you know i don't want people in my real life looking at me like you have problems (laughs) you you are a toy maker for god's sakes you make toys yeah Yeah, they might definitely firing material. <laughs> so okay, so let's talk about the sexual stuff because um, I, you know, you, you're obviously not the only one. There are people in my life and people in my internet life in particular that um, tend to be really like they tend to sexualize a lot of things and tend to lean towards sexual humor and just tend to be more sexual than most people. Is that a fair assessment of you? And like, where does that come from? Um, yeah, I ask myself that a lot. I, I don't know if it's because I can say whatever I want that I lean there, but then why would I lean there if that isn't something already present within me? You know what I mean? So I don't know. I've always kind of leaned that way, I guess. And like, are you an extremist? uh, Are you like an extra, like, uh, like a hypersexual person in your real life? On the inside, yeah, and not as much as I used to be. Like, I think my writing's toned down a lot, and maybe that's because it's toned down um, in my real life. Like, it just, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't go around and, uh, you know, wearing slutty garments and, you know, sleeping with everybody. But I definitely, I guess, have always, since I was young... Oh, gosh, it's, this is where it gets embarrassing. You know, like, I started masturbating young and watching dirty things and reading dirty things probably too young, and maybe that's kind of what caused all this. Like, like I think like, I was sexualized at a young age. Let's like, say. How, how young were you when you started doing all this stuff? Like, how young is really uh, young? I would say that I have memories of um, self-pleasuring probably five years old and around there. Holy shit. 
Yeah, and so I have a lot of questions about why, you know, why that early. I mean, yeah, why, why? Do you have any answers or do you just have questions? <laughs> <laughs> I think I have more questions than answers, but, um, yeah, I'm not sure. Not sure at all. Like there's no like history of like abuse or anything like that. Or is it just like you're sexualized and watching stuff? I mean, cause I remember my friends and I, like we had hustler magazines when we were like in second grade, like that. Yeah. We stole, from, yeah. like, a, you know, but that's normal. I, I think that's normal. Yeah. I think that's normal too. But in terms of, uh, you know, the self pleasuring, maybe, maybe, you know, maybe it could have been six. I just remember. Yeah. It, it started pretty early. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. And and you don't know how you, and you have no idea why it's just like who you are and just happens to be some weird quirk in your life. Yeah. And you know, I know, you know, I know certain things have happened to me through my life, like from a younger on that, um, I touch on in some of my writings, um, that, you know, probably help, you know, exacerbate that maybe. But, um, I don't know. I, I and I, I like to explore that stuff in my writing because I think there's a lot of secrets girls have from when they were girls that maybe not a lot of you know people talk about or women talk about. Do you hear from? Do you hear from like especially female readers of your work? And like, do they ever say to you like, "Oh, thank God, somebody's writing about this"? Um, I've gotten letters about relating to things, yeah, and. Um, you know that it, it, it re- a lot of things that resonate with certain people that happen to be women. And do you ever get which like? Makes do, me do, feel good. Do, do you must get like lots of like pervy guys emailing you. Does that happen? Um, back I would say more so back in when I was just blogging. Yeah, I got a lot of those. Um, they're they're not as um, frequent now, but yeah, way back in the day. And then that really solidified. Like you have to keep this. Um, I, your identity secret because some things were kind of scary. <laughs> and well, then, you know, that's, it, that's actually a really good point. You know, like when you're a, a, a you know, a female writer, I, I mean, it doesn't matter. Like gender isn't the whole story, but I think maybe particularly if you're a female writer and you're writing really explicitly about sex, um, you know, that can definitely like chum the waters for some weirdos in the, on the internet, mm-hmm. you, you know? And I think if you're a guy, yeah. you're, if you're a guy and you're doing it, most of the women reading would probably be like, Ooh, you know, or something, you know, like it wouldn't maybe necessarily, I'm sure you get some of it, but maybe I think guys are just much more likely to react to that with like, um, uh, weirdness or to like, think it's somehow an invitation to, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah, you're totally right. Okay, so like I, I've only gotten like one pervy invite from a from a chick maybe across the years, <laughs> but mostly dudes. And are you offended by that? You're like, why aren't the women emailing me? <laughs> Damn it! <laughs> no, <laughs> no, I'm not. Uh, so okay, so what kind of like you're just getting like emails like, hey, you're hot, or do you want to go out? Like, what kind of emails are you getting from guys in response to like this kind of writing? Um, well, gosh, you're going back, it's going back a ways, but just like maybe they would, they would send me, you know, furthermore to what you wrote on your blog today. Yeah. I'd like to do that to you, or I could be that person that you, you know, were wanting to watch whatever with you and on your couch with a blanket over the two of us and, you know, kind of like just take whatever scenario I had painted on my blog and, you know, kind of push to the next level with with them or i've received you know photos certain body parts so guys, but again, guys, it, guys are sending it, you photos of their dicks and stuff 
Yeah, but, but that was a long, yeah, but that was a, a while ago. I mean, that was more when I was blogging, you know, from like the early days, like 2004 through maybe 2008 or 2009. Like, um, I don't really get that a lot anymore. <laughs> Darn it. <laughs> yeah, like dick, dick photos are so 2008. Yeah, uh, they are. I just, I can't, I can't even imagine. Like, who are these guys who are sending photos of their dicks to women? Like, I, I just don't have that confidence. That would be a disaster. <laughs> First of all, yeah. I'm married. But second of all, like even if I weren't, like the last thing I'm doing is photographing this thing and sending it to anyone. You know, like that's just uh, that's bold. Yeah, well, I would say most most of the guys that sent them probably were proud of themselves and <laughs> yeah. usually had. Yeah, they weren't very disappointing photos. Let's just put it that way. I wish I could be proud of myself. Uh, <laughs> okay, so uh, what about women? Like, are you into women too? Like, or is that just part of like the the um, internet front? No, I I love women. I love um I think women are beautiful and sexy and I want to get with them in quotation marks, but you know, I could count on on the number of one hand with one finger like maybe the number of women I've ever, you know, crossed lines with <clears throat> like um done anything with clothes off with, but uh no, I, I you know, I wish I could go les if I wanted to, but I just I swing more the regular way. Hetero. You like the guys. Okay. And so um, what about, uh, you know, like the porn consumption and because uh, like, you know, I guess, I mean, this, this is an interesting question with regard to like women and porn because guys obviously have uh, a huge uh, fascination with it and that's well documented. And, uh, you know, what's less spoken of is like women in porn. And uh, you seem to be somebody who's an enthusiast. Like you like. Yeah. I love porn. Okay. I love it. Okay. So um, is this, I mean, how normal is it uh, among your female friends? Like, do you find that you're in an um, or is it just something that women like, but don't necessarily uh, talk about as much? I think I'm an anomaly. Definitely. Um, not that I'm sitting around with my friends talking about porn, but just from what I've kind of grazed from a lot of people. Um, it, it Or if they do watch porn, they're watching you know, with the ones with storylines and soft lighting. <laughs> That's so lame. <laughs> That's not my kind of porn. <laughs> oh, it's the worst porn. Yeah. So yeah, I'm ashamed of the search words I use for my porn consumption. Like what kind of search words? What kind of? Search I'm words? not. I do not want to get into that. Let's, let's please open up your search history on your laptop and let's go over this. Oh, I, it's horrifying even to myself. <laughs> so let's just move on. <laughs> so like fetish stuff. No. no, just stuff that you wouldn't think a normal female would be um, into. And, uh, yeah, I don't, and, and again, <laughs> I do these search terms. I'm like, okay, what went wrong <laughs> in my history <laughs> that I am turned on by this? Um, so, yeah, so it's just a big shame whirlpool is what it is, Brad. Jesus, okay. I can relate to that. I mean, you know, it's got a little Catholic background and... Yeah, uh, me too. You do? Okay. Um, yeah. So as, as far as like this porn consumption goes, this is something that dates back to childhood and has remained consistent ever since. And I'm, and I'm sure has been exacerbated by the availability that we have. On oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah. And uh, yeah, my, I think my, my first job out of high school was working at a video store that it was like a mom and pop video store that had a porn section. So... I could like take them home whenever I wanted, you know, not unbeknownst to the the owners, but uh, yeah, pretty much it was at my disposal. And so you you've watched an entire library. You're an expert. 
Yeah, I, I, I know porn history. <laughs> <laughs> kind of, sort of. Do you have, like, favorite porn stars or anything like that? No, back in the day, they, there were, like, porn stars, stars, but um, now uh, they all kind of mush together. Like, I knew, know a few names of, of people now, but I think the ones um, with the big porns and the, and the VHS tapes um, with the photos that are, um, you know, designed and stylized and posed um, are probably the ones that are stronger in my memory, probably because I had a better memory when I was in high school. But, yeah, I don't really keep track of a lot of porn stars nowadays. Okay. So, uh, writing and your literary interests and pursuits, like, is this something that you always sort of had in the back of your brain or much like your, um, literary identity and your online identity as a writer? Is it something that sort of evolved, uh, accidentally? Like, you know, I I think there are people who have harbored literary ambitions from a young age. Um, you know, I've talked to many people who talk about, you know, I wanted to write novels ever since I was five. And then there are also some people who kind of came to it later in life. Like, how did it work for you? And are you surprised to be doing what you're doing and publishing books? And um, I would say I'm not surprised. I liked writing. I was a big reader and liked writing um, when I was young. And um, I think third grade, Mrs. Mooney's third grade class, she'd have uh, – Every Friday, you could, uh, you know, write stories, and she'd read them on Fridays. And I created this uh, series called the Kooky Class <laughs> that would incorporate, like, all the members of my third – not all the members, like, the cool kids in the third grade class and, you know, make silly stories about them. But I remember when she'd read, you know, all the kids would laugh, and it would be funny, and that was like, yeah, that's cool. I can be liked by writing these silly stories. And, you know, that, that fueled it um, – I think uh, one time I wrote, I illustrated a story uh, for my little brother to like make him laugh one day when he like got in trouble or something. And, and it was, it's really kind of a a effed up story. Um, And my mom liked it so much. She made a copy of it and sent it off to Stephen King. (laughs) And he actually wrote a postcard back and I I posted on Facebook. If you want to look at it that, you know, just basically said, I can't, I can't look at it. I'm no longer on Facebook. Oh, That's true. I'll have to send it to you. Yeah. But he wrote a postcard back, you know, if you're, you know, if your daughter's, you know, enjoys writing, just have her keep, you know, trying and working at it, blah, blah, blah. But she has that framed on a wall somewhere. Um, so I kind of guess I knew I, I, I really enjoyed writing back then. You know, I liked every English class was always my favorite class. Um, middle school, I remember writing stories in middle school. Like I think high school, I probably abandoned everything. I don't really remember writing a lot in high school, but um yeah, I definitely started young. It was definitely an interest of mine, but it was never like, oh, I could write a book because that's for real writers, like real, you know, smart people. And I'm just, uh, you know, nobody who couldn't write a book. And but then that changed, and now you're, and now you're somebody, even though you're an sure like, an anonymous, mysterious. I guess so. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, it's, it's weird. When you're sitting there at your office job, uh, you know that you've been working for a long time, or you're working in the toy business, or whatever. Um, prior to 2004, or whenever the blogging started, were you writing? You know, during that time, were you nursing literary ambitions? Were you, you know, harboring some sort of private, uh, secret dream, or whatever, of somehow breaking out into literature? No, it was pretty much just I was. Um, I think. Uh, Maybe AOL just started back there then, like they had dial-up and they had these folders, and I forget like if, how I discovered it, but they had these folders, like, and there was a poetry folder, 
And I guess I was writing poetry back then. So I would read these, you know, poems from other people. And, yeah, I never post one because who am I? And it's opening yourself up to ridicule. And it's poems are really personal. And, you know, I don't want anyone to shit on my soul. So I never <laughs> would post anything. And, um and then when I finally got the courage up to post one, like one of my favorite poets on the on the in the poetry folder, like was the first to comment that, "Oh my God, you rock that!" I was like, "What?" <laughs> and so I was kind of more. I guess I started writing more poetry first. Um, and I, even I look back like on my publishing history, like on my blog, and I'm like, I guess those were the first things I kind of published were poems before I started moving into stories. And like, what kind of poem? Can you, can you? I mean, you don't have one memorized or anything, do you? Like, what do you? What kind oh of, no! Like, what were they about? No. Um, well, I would say those are the more. I know a lot of them are sexual, or you know, desire and longing for love, that kind of flavor, maybe. Yeah. Well, and okay, here's a question, like regarding the sex stuff and the, the sexual nature of your work, or your willingness to go there, or whatever you want to call it. Like, do, do you do you ever conceive of that? Uh, from a marketing perspective, and, and I realize that sort of reduces, but it's it's a, I think it's a fair question because that stuff does play well. Like you know, when there's writing about sex online, people like to read about sex. Do you ever think that? Like, well, you know, if I if I write about this, I'm likely to get readers and I'm likely to get clicks. Mm -hmm. Or is it? No. Sim it's simply just like this is what I like to write about, and it just so no happens. right. Yeah, writing for me is getting my guts outside of myself. So if I have stuff that is inside of me that I can't get out any other way, I just have to write it out. And um, I I can't write to get clicks or get likes or whatever. I write because I I whatever that I need to get outside of me that's inside of me. That's that's why I write. I I can't say, oh, that won't, you know, that's boring. No one's going to read that or that's not going to get me, you know, retweeted or whatever. It's just, um, I write what's, I guess, you know, write my soul out there, you know, especially with poetry. Um, and I, I guess, yeah, it's just weird that all of it's, a lot of it had to do like along a sexual nature. Um, I probably need a therapist or something to well, really I, analyze why I, is it why is it like that? I'll be your therapist. Let's do this. Let's let's work it out right now over the next. <laughs> no. 20 minutes. <laughs> um, okay, so let's talk about your uh, biography. Like, I'm curious to know, and you know, obviously, if there's elements of this you prefer not to disclose, like you know, I'll I'll try my best to play along. But I'm curious to know, like, where are you from, and where did you know where were you born? Where did you grow up? Um, I'm from Northern California in the Bay Area. Um, and I grew up in a suburban home with um, a middle child of two brothers and a mom and dad. Really regular and normal, I guess, on that surface, maybe. <laughs> um, and just, you know, lived, went to school up there. Um, what, kind of kid were, what kind of kid were you? Aside, for, aside um, from being a pervert. <laughs> I was uh, probably just a run-of-the-mill, like, kind of tomboy, I guess maybe because my two brothers, tomboyish, kind of chubby. Um, I guess, uh, I, you know, never was, like, a popular kid. Like, I ran with, like, the the groups that were in the outskirts of the popular kids, kind of made our own little clique or whatever, like, you know, high school-wise or whatever. I'm saying whatever a lot, Brad. <laughs> <laughs> it's better than um, <laughs> Are you there? Are you there? Yeah, there I'm you here. are. Yeah, I'm here. 
Uh, yeah, so you I heard were, that little drop. You were on the outskirts, and uh, were you like into like the theater? Did you do any like performance? Were you in the band? Was there any of that kind of thing? <laughs> Um, middle school, I was in the band. This is so embarrassing. Um, I played the trumpet. Nice. <laughs> yes. I'm telling you. I was good, too. Were you? I was. I was. I, I always got A's, and I, I was a good trumpet player. And the band was also the school marching band. So I did march in the band with my trumpet in an outfit down the street a couple times. A couple times, just Oh, two. my God. That's so embarrassing. Yeah, <laughs> hey. maybe two. And then I think um, I even had to play at our eighth grade graduation because the, the incoming band, I guess, wasn't so good. So we had to play um, whatever pomp and circumstances, put down our instruments and get, back, get on stage to get our diplomas or whatever, and then go back down and play for the rest of the, the class to march themselves off. Yeah, it was really sad. Wow. Okay, so you were a trumpet, yeah. a trumpet playing... Sort of peripherally cool. Uh, <laughs> no, never cool. But I mean, you know, you were like on the outskirts. It wasn't like you were complete. Yeah. You, it wasn't like you were like a reviled loser or anything like that. Right. No, I was above the losers, but definitely below the cool people. Yeah, that's a good place to be. I think. Right. I mean. Yeah, I think that's like on, especially like on Survivor. You kind of want to just be kind of copacetic with the you know background noise, kind of just yeah. lay low. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just kind of lurk there and then you know make your way through. But you have access to both groups. And then, um, what were you like as you got into like adolescence and high school and stuff? Did you change radically? Did you go through like crazy years or anything like that? Like you, you, you have. Um, please tell me you had some sort of like crazy rebellion or something. It seems like that would be part of your bio. No. <laughs> No, I think it was more um, like loose parenting, maybe. So I, I kind of roamed. I did a lot of stuff I wasn't supposed to do or that my parents didn't know I was doing that I probably shouldn't have been doing just because I don't think the supervision was all the greatest growing up. <laughs> now that I'm looking back. Well, like what were your parent? What were your parents like? What do they do? Um, my dad was a plumber and my mom was a housewife until I think until they got divorced and then she got just like you know working at a deli working at a eyeglass company working at a police station like type of jobs yeah and where and uh how old were you when they split up um how old was I was it the freshman year maybe Okay. Well, that's, high school. So that's an age where you, I mean, you must have been like, I mean, were you pissed off? Was it like, uh, I mean, it's not an easy thing to go through. And that age, like, seems like um, particularly volatile for people. It's like hormonal and, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I think I was more sad, you know, because I, I think kids tend to blame themselves. Like, if we were better kids, like, me and my brothers didn't fight as much. They'd still be together and they'd still love each, love each other. And, and then I felt bad for my little brother because, like, he was still, gosh, if I was a freshman, then he was, like, still in elementary school or whatever. And, you know, I don't know. It was just it was kind of upsetting. And, you know, then I think initially when my dad moved out, he thought, I guess, that he didn't really have to be a dad anymore. <laughs> like, they should call me. Um, I'm 15, Dad. You're the dad. But so I think I had anger issues too. Probably, who knows? I don't know. All the natural, like kind of normal responses, right? I mean, anyone I think yeah. goes through that at that age has some of that at least. Yeah. 
Um, so did you rebel? Did you go, I mean, and like, you know, speaking of like early sexualization, like were you sexually active from a young age? Um, uh, 15. Okay. That's normal. That's young. That's young. But yeah, it's, but it's, it's, it's not it's like, normal young. I was thinking like nine or something for you. Like, oh gosh. <laughs> yeah. I kid. No. I kid. But you do kid. Um, so you were 15, you had boyfriends, your parents had split up. Like, did you go through any kind of like crazy drug phase or anything? Um, no, normal drugs, you know, like pot and cocaine and (laughs) mushrooms, maybe. In in high school? Yeah. Well, I think I, first time I smoked pot was junior high. Yeah. Well, pot I can see, but like, like I, you know, I didn't do any, uh, anything like, you know, harder than that when I was in high school, but I'm from Indiana. So, I mean, maybe in the Bay. Uh, (laughs) There you go. Uh, Yeah. Cocaine, um, crank. Uh, mushrooms, pot, uh, booze, pretty much, you know, Yeah. the normal stuff. Well, California normal. California normal. And then, uh, where'd you go to college? I did not go to college. You did not go to college. Okay. So let's talk about this then. Where, where did you, uh, go once you got out of high school? I got jobs. Okay. What kind of jobs? Um, well, I worked in that video store in, in high school and then I, got a job in the mailroom of a toy company, literally in the mailroom, starting at the bottom, and just kind of worked my way up, um, applied for jobs within the company, got promoted, um, which led to my moving to L.A. because I got a job at the L.A. branch of this company, um, working in their international division, and that had me moved down here. So I kind of just been, you know, working in a job since then. Since you were 18 years old? Like, well, how old were you when you started working for this toy company? Um, well, it's not the toy. I've been in the, about three toy companies now, but um, I guess, hmm, 18? Wow. I must you, have been around 18. Do you ever look back on it and wish that you had gone to college, or do you not give a shit? Um, I do all the time because especially now, like I didn't even know what MFA stood for <laughs> until I started, you know, getting in on this literary crowd. And it just makes me feel, you know, in part it goes going back to the fear of talking to you or talking to anyone. Um, it goes back to the fear of I'm stupid. They're smart. They went to college. They have degrees. I'm just Joe Schmo who got a job and likes to write things, you know, so I just feel less than all the time is okay so is that is that at the root of why it was hard for you to say yes to talking to me and then part of like why yes (laughs) that's it yeah yeah you are really smart you talk to these people and you are very smart and use a lot of big words you know so many things and i do not so yeah See, but I, I, this is what I would say is that that, A, that's not true. Like I'm just basic. I, I mean, I feel that way just talking to these people. You should see me prepping um, oh to, to talk to writers. Like I'm always like, oh, God. And then like listening to playback. I mean, you kind of go through all that. So I think it's fairly normal regardless of whatever one's station is, uh, at least to some extent. But, you know, I think that especially for a writer, you know, obviously there's a million different ways to, to do it. And none of them are quote unquote wrong. But I think you have an advantage because there's something very homogenous about the MFA experience and about that track. That's what most people do. And you have had 
um, a different way up the mountain than most people. And like, that's to be, I think that's to be embraced rather than, uh, something that you should sit around feeling bad about. You have a unique set of experiences. Everyone else like sat in workshops and do you know what I'm saying? Like, uh, yeah, I do. Yeah. I know what you're saying. And, and I think also like you probably have a variety of experiences and things to write about, um, that maybe the average MFA or doesn't like, do you ever feel like it's an advantage? Have you ever sensed that? Yeah. Like, uh, I get, I guess so. You know, like I, I can't name anytime I hear of like a famous writer that kind of had a similar path as mine. I'm like, good. Like, look, I'm not the only one, you know, like, I don't know if, if Bukowski was like that or, you know, people that, you know, just did it cause they had to do it and they felt that was their calling or whatever. Um, I just feel like, okay, you can do it without like being formally educated or whatever. So how, how have you self-educated? Like, do you find, uh, or do you feel like a sense of responsibility? Have you read more voraciously or in maybe a way that's more concentrated than others? Or do you know what I'm saying? Like, have you taken on some sort of like self-directed course of study to teach yourself? Or is it something that you've kind of intuited as you've gone and just kind of felt your way through? What do you mean in terms of writing itself? Yeah, I mean, like, if, or, you, if you were trying to get better, I mean, obviously, blogging is practicing, and ultimately, that's what you have to do. You have to sit there and just log hours in front of the keyboard and or whatever it is in front of the piece of paper and, and write. But, uh, like, how did you teach yourself to write? Um, I would say it was all the blogging, if anything. It's because I didn't want to write about... I wanted to write about my life, but I didn't want to give all the personal details, so I kind of had to write around my life. And I think having to do that kind of and, – and having kind of come from writing poetry, it kind of maybe made my writing kind of that way or to, like, say what I wanted to say and what I wanted out of me in a, in a roundabout creative way. Does that make sense? Yeah, without like spilling the beans and giving people like, right your social. So maybe that's how like yeah, like my style kind of developed from that maybe. But in terms of like writing a book on writing uh, or reading a book on writing, um, probably the only book I've read on writing was Stephen King's on writing. I think it's called On Writing, it, and maybe uh, some books since then people have recommended to me. I think Annie Dillard has a book. Um, that I maybe read, but no, uh, no, other than just getting feedback from people that I respect that seem to know what the hell they're doing. Um, it's kind of just, I just kind of done what I've done and, and taken whatever feedback I've gotten to learn from that or reading other writers and kind of going, Oh, you can do that with words. All right. Well, yeah. And who are some of your favorites? I mean, you mentioned Stephen King. He's obviously central for you. Oh yeah. He was, um, He's always been, you know, he was, I just like fucked up shit. So uh, he was my first, um, you know, reading love, I guess, when I was young and have, you know, pretty much read everything, uh, mostly everything of his. Um, but I never really got into like literary fiction just because I was never exposed to that. I didn't really know it existed. Like maybe I read a Vonnegut in high school once, but, uh, you know, or whatever they made you recommended reading in high school, that kind of thing. But so I just pretty much was like Stephen King, and I think I used to steal my mom's trashy paperbacks and maybe Dean Koontz later in life, but uh, gosh. What, what, about, what about like – do you read like erotica at all and stuff like that? Mm, no, not really, but 
a lady at work forced me to read Fifty Shades of Grey this year or last year. It was. What's your feeling on oh, that? God. I've talked to I've talked to like at least one person who read that, and she said it was really hot. Like, uh, uh, what did, did you hate it? Did you like it? I hated it. It was so bad, but but then I got hooked on the stupid story, and I had to finish it all. Plus, it's just. I wanted it to go. I thought it was going to go like full on hardcore bondage. This, this was like, <laughs> I you know, I didn't have the, I don't have the means to build apparatus, but I, I come on, like, I thought you were going to go there, you know. But they kind of just, it was seemed soft core to me, but whatever. I just had to see what was going on. Everyone was talking about it, and then there'll be a movie coming out, so I had to read it. So. It's but so, I thought the writing was horrible. It was just I was laughing. It okay, was funny. Okay, so but this is crazy because that book has sold like in excess of thirty million or those. Books I are... know, it makes me sad. I'm <laughs> crying. Like but how, I know why? writers. I don't know. I it's I think because you talk about this a lot on the podcast. I think it's just I don't know luck, timing. Uh, you know, it, like all of the convergence of like five different things, and then all of a sudden you're a hit. I don't know. Because there's so many like Roxanne Gay, she's she should be selling that many copies of books. You know, it's like a stupid novel that's laughable. Like, come on. And for some reason, it just like catches people's attention. I just I'm always yeah. I wish there could be uh, some sort of science, like uh, like or at least some sort of scientific method applied to the study of why that happened. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, like a for a formula. Yeah, or just like I a want a tangible formula or or short of that like you know kind of like a, a post-mortem or a um you know where somebody takes a look at like the sales history of 50 shades of gray and tracks when it initially spiked and what yeah and what, what events online or elsewhere corresponded with that initial bump. yeah and, you know i want someone to actually dissect it for me so i can see how it happened but i don't know if anybody does that level of intense market research and publishing it would be it'd be wonderful to read if they did you know if there's a way yeah. to, to actually you know investigate this stuff but yeah, yeah. and then yeah. apply it to our own books right. exactly, exactly. <laughs> but i think yeah honestly if somebody had a formula then you know the business would be in, entirely different and we would all be selling a gazillion books but yeah, um, make no sense. Okay, so let's talk some more about uh, you. Like, are you are you married or you're single? Oh, that's the whole part I'd rather not talk about <laughs> at all. Yeah, I just it, yeah. Like, not even uh, you're that, not you're not married. You're not single. You don't want anyone to know anything. I exist in a bubble. You exist in a bubble. Um, bubble of uh, privacy. <laughs> So can I can I ask why you don't want to talk about that, or is it just like? Um, uh, I I don't know. I like I said, I've been hiding everything online. Like my mom knows I write stuff. Like I've sent my mom printed out stories, um, but I don't like want any. I don't. I feel I'm so scared of being found out by people that know me in real life. I guess so. Not really. No one in my real life knows about XTX or anything like maybe they know I write stuff but it's just it's weird so I, I like I kept the two lives separate and I just I'm just I mean I'm I'm I want to bring them together I just don't know how I'm taking baby steps to make that happen because now I feel like I'm getting a lot more serious with my writing I'm writing a book et cetera, et cetera. Um, so it's just I don't know I just like to keep the world separate right now i guess isn't that interesting though because like you go about your daily life and you do you know your your regular social life and none of these people have any idea that you have 
this entire like online literary personality happening and all these exactly exactly and how alone does that make it makes me feel so alone it's horrible it's horrible i don't know how why i did this to myself (laughs) why why don't you just tell why don't you tell people like you can't trust them or you don't want them to know would you be embarrassed if they read stuff that you've written that's like extremely sexual or something like that yeah i think i would i i don't know i'm not much i'm not mature i can't deal with that (laughs) But like, you know, I won the Story South Million Writers Award last year and I, you know, I was like so happy and stoked. And it's like, I look around, I'm like, I can't tell anybody this great news. <laughs> it's just, it was horrible. And I'm just like, you know, it's sad. And I, I like somehow painted myself into this stupid corner and I'm trying to figure out a way to get out of it's confusing. Okay. So, so forgive me for pressing, but like, can you at least say, do you have a significant other who does not know that you do this? Correct. Yeah, I could I could say that. Okay, so that's I mean that's doubly interesting. It's one thing if like the friends you see <laughs> once a week don't know, but like if you actually have an intimate partner or something and has no idea that you're doing this, like have how do you write? How do you actually, you know, how do you conduct the physical act of writing without being discovered? Oh well, I could write. Like I write at lunch, usually at lunch before work, um, with my headphones on on my laptop on a couch. You know, so it's it's easy. I mean, it's not. It's just the the whole internet presence that people don't know about. You know, and you you're positive not, they don't know about it. I'm pretty positive. Maybe after this podcast, though, maybe people <laughs> will figure it out if they listen to you, Brad. Yeah. It'll all be all your fault. My giant, my undoing. Yeah, my na- <laughs> my enormous national audience, international, global mm-hmm. audience is going to. Uh, it is global. Yeah, it's going to. I have listeners. I can't the- tell you how. How, how weird this is for me hearing you talk and I'm actually responding to it. And you're responding back because normally I'm walking around like an exercise track listening to you talk to someone else. It's very, this is very strange. Is that how you listen to me? You exercise and listen to me? I'm always curious like where people listen to this show. You know, it's, it's fun for me to imagine like, are they like in a car or like, what do you? Yeah. I usually exercising or, um, at work, um, when all my Howard Stern shows are are done, and I have nothing to listen to but music, I'll put on whatever. Usually, your Wednesday show, I'll listen to it on Thursday, and or Friday. Okay, and, we, and like exercise, you're running around a track. Is that what's happening? You're... Yeah, yeah, like in a in an oval, I'll be running around. <laughs> okay, so are, <laughs> or walking. Are you uh, are you like uh, one of those? Because I've talked to a lot of writers, as I'm sure you've heard on this show, who are like. Uh, dedicated runners, or is that part of your uh, DNA? Like, do you have to exercise in order to be sane? Yeah, yeah, it helps. And also, um, I, I don't so much run. I kind of more walk, but I do some running. But in terms of helping the writing, definitely. Like, I'll go and I'll be like, okay, I'll, re- I'll ref- while I'm stretching, I'll reflect on where I'm stuck. And then I'll just, you know, go around the track and listen to music or whatever. And then stuff starts bubbling up. And I have that little app on the phone, the mic app, where you can record yourself. I'll be like, stop the music. And I'll, I'll talk into it, you know, like some oddball. The people at the track are looking at me funny. Just to record whatever thought or idea I had um, to, to move me along and wherever I'm stuck. So it's definitely helpful. Yeah, and you're writing before work, at lunch, like any free window that you can possibly yes. find, and, yep. you're, and you're able to be productive that way. Like you Correct. Do. See, this is another thing that I think is uh, it's useful to me anyway. It's like the, you know, writers just finding whatever time is available and and getting words down, and not having to have like perfect circumstances, or have not having to have like a four hour block of like you know 
noise-free time. You know what I'm saying? Like there are a lot of writers, yeah. there are a lot of writers, uh, myself included at times, at least in the past who are a little bit too precious about it. Like I like the idea that like you just crank it out whenever you can, you're on your lunch break and you're just typing stuff up and that's how, yeah, I think otherwise you limit yourself, you know, like you just, if I can only have these conditions to write under, then you're kind of really restricted. Yeah. Well, and, and okay. And so, um, before we go, because we don't have a ton of time left, but I want to, um, you know, are there questions that you get from fans of yours online or friends of yours online in the online literary community? Are there, are there questions that you often get aside from like, who the hell are you actually? You know what I'm saying? Like, do people, do, do you incite certain fascinations in people that you find, uh, you know, uh, like there's a consistency to what you hear from folks? No, not so much anymore. I think because now it's like seems like everyone or a lot of people go by crazy names and kind of hide um, or put a certain presentation of themselves online. Um, so maybe I fit in more where before when I seemed to be the only idiot posting under three letters where I got a lot of attention. Um, and people are like, who is this? Is it a man? Is it a woman? You know, it was more like the, that kind of question um, back then. But now it's more, I guess, it seems more normal now. It doesn't stand out as much. And what is your what is your uh, goal? Do you have one? Like, are you shooting for a full-on, full-time literary career? Or is this something that you always envision for yourself as something you do on the side? And um, I kind of envision it as something I do on the side. I, I want to finish the book I'm writing and see w- what happens with that. But I, I guess... I just don't feel it would ever happen for me, but if it did, that'd be great, but I love to do it. So if I can do it, uh, in addition to a job that, uh, pays my bills and, uh, nothing's the worse for wear, then fine. I'll, I'll keep doing it. Cause I love it. Do you have a literary agent? Uh, no. Okay. Not, not as of yet. Okay. Literary agents who are listening. <laughs> do you want one? Do you want one? Uh, yeah, sure. Okay. Why not? Yeah, I mean, I Hello. think. Yeah, okay. send me an email. Literary agents <laughs> contact XTX if you can find her, if you can tra- if you can track her down online. Yeah, Google me. And then, what about writers in the community uh, or writers in general who have influenced you? Like, like first of all, let's talk about internet writing in that particular community, altlet, whatever you want to call it. Like, who in that world do you find influential or inspiring? Um, gosh, who do I not find inspirational? Um, there's so many great writers out there and they're all so different. Um, and they bring just so many different ways, uh, to read a story and to just be immersed in, in beauty, beautiful, ugly things. And it's just, I just find a inspiration everywhere okay. like it just, who, do you, who do you envy the most who do you look at and go that's motherfucker writes so well i wish i could be that person do you have any of that uh, gosh i'm so bad at bringing up names like this but um i can't think off the top of my head there's just so many of them i and i don't want to exclude anyone or say the wrong thing there's it's there's a lot i i can't even start can't i'm overwhelmed even, you're overwhelmed <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you know, I'll, I'll say you are very social. Like for as, as much of a, a cloistered identity as you maintain, like when you are acting as XDX online, like I find you're one of the friendliest people out there. And I mean, certainly that's how we struck up a conversation. And yeah, um, you know, you like the social aspect of it, and you seem to be good at it. You know, you're good at going out and making cyber friends, right? 
Yeah, well, if you think about it, if if I can't talk to anyone about my literary bent on in my real life, so I have to go elsewhere, and elsewhere is this box that glows at me on my desk every day. So I, I kind of reach out a lot there because those are my computer online friends that I can talk to the shit about this shit with. And um, so maybe that's why I'm, I tend to socialize a lot on there. Yeah. And then, okay. And then you, you go to AWP cause I met you at AWP briefly. Yeah, uh, we did. I heard your voice first before I saw you. I'm like, <laughs> I know that voice. <laughs> it's the disembodied voice of Brad Listy. No yes. Way. So, um, so you, how do you get away with that with the people in your life life? You to, where do you tell them you're going? Um, well, sometimes you you lie, or sometimes you tell partial truths. Like I'm going to Chicago because I want to visit a friend. Because uh, yeah, or hey, there works having this gift show that I have to man the booth at, and uh, yeah, it's these days, and you feel like shit. But then you go and you have a great time. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and you get and you also get to meet in person. Uh, these people that you would otherwise only know most likely from, uh, you know, your computer screen in a two-dimensional capacity. So uh, this has been my experience of, and even with you, like this has been my experience, is that when you interact with somebody online or at least you see them online over and over and over again, you read their thoughts or you read their status updates or their tweets or whatever it is, um, you get a sense of who they are somehow. Uh, mm -hmm. from a combination of things, whether it's photographs or text or, you know, all of it. And then what I find is that when I finally meet these people in real life, I'm almost never surprised. Yeah, like it's I, it's, I agree. It's amazing how accurate it is. Like it, when you, you know, had all these kind of literary interactions online in the blogosphere and, and elsewhere, and then you go to AWP and you finally get to kind of like hang with your, you know, your shadow existence yeah. friends. like. Was it? I mean, was it everything you thought it would be? Were you were you ever shocked or surprised or thrown off by the people who actually showed up? No, it was like the first AWP I went to. It was like Facebook coming to life. It was so weird, it, and I loved it. Like I love meeting the people. Usually they were way better than I thought they could be. You know, it's like I don't know. Just I loved it. I love putting the the faces and the names and the little thumbnails to the the breathing human bodies, you know, and I just there's so many awesome people. Was I was I better meet. in person or was I sort of a letdown? I feel like I'm sort of a letdown. People <laughs> you have to stop that. You're awesome. But people are like, you know, it's the voice and they have the podcast it's enough, you know, and then they meet me in person and it's like, "Oh, it's like I, you know, I thought you would be different or I don't know. No, it was so awesome. You're one of my highlights. I'm so, I was so happy to meet you because I've probably listened to every single one of your stupid podcasts. And so <laughs> that's why it's so weird to be doing this. It's like, I don't even know if I'm going to listen to my own because I'm probably just going to want to throw up. Well, no, I'll tell you, this is the way it goes. This is the way it always goes uh, or usually goes because you're an exception to this uh, first part of the rule. But people are usually enthusiastic about doing the show. They like to be uh, ask to be on the show. They like to do it. You know, it's fun to, to be interviewed and to talk or whatever about uh, their work and their life or whatever. But almost every single person in the aftermath of talking to me sends me an email that says <laughs> something to the effect of like, that was fun. Thank you very much. But there's no way that I'm going to listen to it. And, <laughs> 
and, and it, it, it's, it's either it's it, you know it kind of starts there and it can snowball into like even more intense skittishness but like once people are on tape or whatever or on digital uh. recorded like then they start to like obsess and i've thought about this because you know i have the um the difficult responsibility of having to do this twice a week so i always tell people like look if you think you're uncomfortable like try making an ass of yourself twice a week you know <laughs> I'd, but you're a pro now. Come yeah, on. Right, a pro pro at making an ass of myself. But No, um, you're pro awesome. You know, it's uh it's just difficult and I think psychologically, especially for writers, because we are so used to having the opportunity to edit ourselves and to refine. Yes. You know, that yes. th- this format lends itself to no control and to essentially the publication of a first draft. That's that's the equivalent. It it is. That was my number one fear. I'm like, there is no delete button on my mouth. I can't backspace <laughs> idiocy that's going to spew forth. And then, you know, Brad's going to get mad if I call him up after going, can you edit that and take this out? And the seven whatevers I said in a row, please delete those. And I was, that's, I was scared. I am scared of that because I'm like, they're going to find out how stupid I am, how I, stupid I really am. No, 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 no. I think that this I mean, but my, my feeling is that people are going to be even more uh, enamored of you. And I think people are going to be excited because, you know, I'm excited to get a chance to talk to you because of the, you know, uh, the fact that we've like cyber know each other and chit chat all the time, but also because of the whole anonymity thing. And I think that giving people at least some kind of window, uh, into who you are is nice. And, and you know what, the thing about an anonymity extends beyond just you who you know because you have this more explicitly uh, anonymous persona that you're cultivated or cultivating in whatever way however accidental it is but the truth is that and this is i think at the root of why i do the show is that the internet and social media and the blogosphere uh, you know there's an element of anonymity regardless of which name you use or which gravatar photo you use or whatever because um, you know, everything is, you know, very much, uh, manicured and presented in a way to elicit a certain response. And, um, I don't know, I, I, I think I do this because I like to hear people's voices and I like to actually hear who's behind all of that. It can be a little bit, right. it can be a little bit, um, blinding or confusing after a while to only deal with people as two dimensional on screen. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Exactly. So, yeah, I get it. Um, okay, so is Frank Hinton a man or a woman? I want to get you on the record. Def- definitely a man. Definitely a man. H- huge penis. He was the one, first one that sent me a picture of his huge penis. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding, Frank. <laughs> I mean, it's totally true. Totally true. Frank Hinton, man, extremely well. Huge known. penis. Yeah. Um, let me give us, I'll give you like a few other names and then I'll let you go because I know you have to go back to work. We're talking during your lunch break. Yes, we are. I'm starving right now, so okay. thanks. Okay, yeah. Roxanne Gay. What do you? What do we? What do you, uh, you've already alluded to her, but like talk about her a little. Yeah. Bit. Soulmate. Love her. B F F F F B B B B F F F F F. Really, you guys. Best are, person. Best person in my life. Really, you guys are that close. Yep. Like Weird, talk, but uh, talking yep. talking on the phone every day and stuff like that. Yeah, as much as possible. As much as possible. Okay, so how do you yep. how do you explain these friendships to the people in your life who have no idea who these people are? Maybe they don't know about them. That's so fantastic. I think you know. You know what I think <laughs> you need to do? I think you need to write a memoir about your double life. I think. That, yeah, I that, think so too. I think that would be interesting. You know, because I'll have to do that. You should do that when I come out. When I come out of the closet. That well, that could be the whole thing. You could build up to that, and then you can come out, and you can come out on this show, and that will be like <laughs> this will be where you announce yes. it. Yes. 
You have first dibs, Fred. All right. I do. I want exclusive interview rights when that finally happens. You and Frank Hinton at the same okay. time. It can be this huge, <laughs> this huge party. It's, it's, it's yours. All right. Well, listen, uh, thank you for taking the time to talk with me. It's been a pleasure. I hope it hasn't been too painful for you. No, like I knew it wouldn't. I knew once I did it, it'd be fine. I'm just a big freaking scaredy cat and I have issues, but you're the best. Well, I appreciate it, XD, and uh, I wish you uh, an enjoyable remainder of your afternoon. And I wish you the same. All right, you guys, that is all for now. That's the program. That is XTX. Go get her new book. It is called Billy the Bull, and it is out there now from Nephew, an imprint of Mud Luscious Press. You can find XTX online at notimetosayit.com. She's on the Facebook, and you can find her on Twitter, too. Her handle there is at XTX33. Thank you to Kill Rockstars for all the great music. Be sure to check out killrockstars.com. That's it. It's the weekend. I am uh, probably going to spend some time later this afternoon pondering uh, my thing, trying to figure out my thing, trying to find my thing, trying to discover it. Uh, Or uh, maybe it's more zen than that. Maybe I'm mistaken. Maybe that's my problem. Maybe you can't find your thing if you're looking for it. Maybe the trick to finding your thing is to not look for your thing, to get outside uh, more often and to leave your unit, leave your unit, find your thing, Etc. I think I just figured it out. Please remember that Edgar Allan Poe was commonly referred to as Eddie Poe by those who knew him well. And also remember that Francis Farmer died of throat cancer. That's it. Did I just say throat cancer? Like I, th- I feel like I emphasized the wrong syllable. Uh, anyway, that's the show. I'll be back again in roughly 72 hours with another episode of this program for your consumption. Another writer, another meandering exchange, hopefully cordial. Please be sure... Uh, to get the app, the official Other People app. It is free. And then from there, if you want to, you can sign up for premium content, which uh, is a way of supporting the show. Uh, Wink, wink. It's $2 a month. Why don't you do that? And then you'll have access to all the archives, every single episode uh, for $2 a month. Come on, do it. Uh, And, you know, if you do that, it'll help me keep a roof over my head and it will help me stay in my unit, etc., Thank you uh, to everybody for listening. Did I already say that? Enjoy the rest of your uh, experience uh, today. Whatever your experience happens to be, I hope you enjoy it. Uh, Whatever time it is, uh, wherever you are, go find your thing. Uh, But don't look for it. Just find it. Just kind of sort of uh, stumble into it, if you know what I'm saying. What is it? What is your thing? I can't tell you. And I can't find my own. Uh, What am I fucking talking about? Jesus fucking Christ. (laughs) 